another episode of a podcast directed by so in this episode as we continue talking about amy heckerling we're going to talk about two movies this time and i think this is one of the first times on our show that we've done kind of movies out of order as far as time before Breaking we usually done things kind of, i know this is so strange so we're going to be talking about look who's talking uh which is very early in her career and then i could never be your woman which is much later in her career but we're going to start we're still we're not going to break the form entirely we're still going to start with the first movie that she did. We're not going to like start with I Could Never Be Your Woman. So we're going to start don't say with Luke Who's Talking. You don't know yeah. which, which crazy director we'll, we'll come up with next month. And maybe we'll be all over it's the place. True. I, I don't know. You never know. Yeah, we're not there yet. But as far as Look Who's Talking. So strangely, this is a movie that I had. And I say had. Had fond memories of uh, before rewatching. Because uh, it was a movie that I think I think I probably saw like on TV, like on HBO or something, like after it had gone out of theaters. And uh, I remember thinking this was really funny. And maybe it's just because I was, I mean, when did this come out? 89? 89. Yeah, 89. Yeah, so I was, so I was 10. Uh, so this is about the level of humor <laughs> that makes sense for a 10 year old, I think. But man, uh, I've, I don't think I've rewatched it since around that time. And this was a struggle. I think so much of it for me is that it survives on the, the personalities of your two stars, right? John Travolta and Kirstie Alley in 1989. These were both relative stars. John Travolta, much more of the movie star, Kirstie Alley, like, you know, coming from cheers, uh, and starting this movie career. And so it, it worked then, but man, I watched it now and, Oh man, I don't think I laughed once. Okay, that that was this my was issue. Um, so I have, a, I have a similar history, if you want to call it that. Uh, I, I never thought I'd ever, ever in my adult life say I've got history with the film Look Who's Talking. <laughs> but I remember, I think I was taken to see this in theaters. And as a kid, I remember thinking it was... Maybe not hilarious, but that was funny. That was like it did what it, right. it said it was going to do. The baby talks. Like, you know, you get to hear what a baby yeah. thinks. But what, what more do you want? Bruce Willis' so, voice. I was, I was very much not uh, film Twitter back in 89 where I'm just like, <laughs> you got the baby talking. What is there to bitch about? Yeah. Like, I don't. <laughs> it does what it says on the box. What are you mad about? <laughs> yep. We know who is talking. There it is. The baby with the sunglasses. Got it. Look at it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I agree with you now, like I'm watching as an adult and it's funny, this is like uh one of uh if not her biggest hit at the box office. I don't know I was I think her biggest. I think monetarily her biggest. In the it long run, I'm sure Clueless has probably made more money um it's sort of post theatrical, yeah. but yeah. I think the initial box office factor here, this was probably Amy Heckling's big I mean, God, two hundred and ninety seven million dollars on a budget of seven and a half. Yeah. Jesus. Just, just be grateful we're not doing the sequel, Mike. That well, I'm very not, much against we're not covering both. repeating myself. And uh, apparently Heckerling was not too happy to even 
do a sequel, but you know, she's trying to play the game and, um, yeah. okay. So the good points, cause I agree with you. There's, uh, there's, I, I had one laugh. That was it. I laughed one time at this and I actually thought, I was like, where are the jokes? Like other than the concept <laughs> of the baby, like I didn't, this is a hard sell. It's like, that's it. Comedy. This is just a concept for 90 minutes. Really? Like, and they didn't yes. really yeah. dress anything else up. What they do have is Kirstie Alley and John Travolta actually do have chemistry to me. Like there is, there is a, oh, yeah. a rom-com yeah. here where it's like, I like these two people together. I, I would like to have a full mm-hmm. three act structure and maybe the less of the baby talking and commenting. Maybe that's a side thing. Maybe that's, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know how much that uh, makes it a good date night movie. You know, having the, the baby interject, but I think you can make right. it work. The only time I laughed was when the character Molly here, um, I guess, uh, is interacting with, you know, the father, air quotes, father, like father. And he was a sperm donor for this uh, talking baby. Right. Um, she, she is changing his diaper towards the end of the movie on this fancy antique uh, desk. That's a good moment. And yeah. he, <laughs> she takes the, the dirty diaper, slams it down and says, now it's junk. And I was just like, it's so definitive. <laughs> like, the, you know, the uh, resale value is now gone because a dirty diaper once sat atop this desk and my wife hates it when I get tickled. You know, I've sat there stone faced for 90 minutes this whole movie. And yet that line delivery of hers tickled me so that I probably went back 10 times just to hear her say, now it's junk and slam that dirty diaper down. Now it's junk. Other than that, this one, uh, this one is pretty forgettable. And I think there's a reason it, I don't think it has had a long post theatrical pop culture life i think there was a sitcom right that they tried to with george clooney that tried to take this concept yeah and like it's weird it's it's weird looking back at a movie like this because for a period of time it did have longevity right it's burned two sequels you know they tried to they tried to bring it back you know all this but then you look at it farther enough down the line you just look at it and you're like what is so fucking funny about this like this is, this this is, is not working for there's me. no rolling with the homies where you would get where that like, oh, yeah, Clueless. You would get that line now. Right. So um, right. I don't know. Was it people – like I said, is it – there a certain charm to the fact that people are just more accepting of of the talking baby movie? Like, baby. hey, you got Bruce Willis <laughs> talking like – you know, he's the baby. Like, that's good enough. Like, there – it almost – well, I mean, it's 2020, so there's a lot of reasons I probably want to be in a different year. But it almost makes me wonder, like, what was, what yes. was going to the movies and talking about movies like in 1989? Like, it must have been just so pleasant <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> for this to be a runaway smash. Yeah, it's so strange. I mean, so so here's <laughs> – when I sat down to watch this, like, I already – like, within Did two you feel minutes bad of this movie – As a grown man I sitting was... down to watch, look who's talking about no, yourself. <laughs> no, God, this is nowhere near the worst thing I've watched. No, but within two minutes of this movie started, I was already like, hmm – this is not going to be a fun time because I was truly disturbed by the opening credits of this movie, you mean, like the chase uh, which sequence? is just the sperm. <laughs> God, it is. I mean, we we talked about on your show uh, a movie called Sisters uh, that De Palma did, where the yeah. opening credits is just a you know fetus with terrifying music the behind episode it. That killed and this... my show, my long running show. <laughs> That's right. Ended it all. Uh, <laughs> if only that would happen here for you, but it's not. God. It's not going to happen, Mike. <laughs> um, but this is along those lines where it's like it's not. 
it's not done in a horror way at all. It's done obviously for comedy, but given the fact that they, they essentially like fade to black before the, t- these two people have sex. And then the next sequence is like, so you're just like, we're going to spend five minutes of an opening credits, just watching this man's sperm run around inside mm-hmm. this woman. That's what this is. And when you watch it as an adult, there are those moments where I'm like, Oh, uh, this is fucking weird. Like, uh, this is an odd choice. And we both watched it as kids and it was kind of aimed as like (laughs) family comedy. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure I didn't understand or really care what it was. Like I'm probably just eating my, uh, Reese's pieces and just like, you know, you can't wait for the baby to show up. Like (laughs) that sort of thinking. Uh, Something you would never say as a grown man. Right. (laughs) Uh, But certainly as an adult, I've never wanted uh, any sort of too fast, too furious moment with George Siegel's sperm. <laughs> never, never once have I been like, that's what's missing right. from my life. Thank you, Dave, in a podcast directed by and Bruce Willis, like, you know, yelling through this whole process. <laughs> we're in, we're in. And I'm just like, stop it. I don't want to think about this. This is the worst thing. Um, but I will say that you're right about the two leads. They definitely do have chemistry together. And it's interesting that you bring up the idea that this would probably work better, like as a full-fledged romantic comedy like with the standard three-act structure and if you had asked me before i sat down to rewatch it that's what i would have remembered Mm. i felt like there was so much more of that when i saw it before and then i watched it and it's like there's almost nothing like through most of the movie they're apart like he pops pops in here and there to like babysit and flirt a little bit but most of it they're separate and it's like and and of course, in some ways, it works to the advantage in a movie like this where you want these two people together, right? I mean, that's what you should want. But I don't think the script does enough work to put them together except it's, at the very beginning and the very end. It's structured more like a television series where they're really stretching out the will they or mm-hmm. won't they. Like, oh, here comes the cabbie now babysitter that we've, we've we've come up with this very contrived reason on why he's still in her life like this this subplot with getting the mail his mail delivered there because his father's oh, right. in this uh nursing home but you know i mean you can almost hear the audience like hoot and holler when john travolta like comes through the door like oh, here comes the sexy babysitter again and <laughs> yeah. the, the thing i was i was thinking was i guess it was just it was just nice to see you know, a movie star. I this was like, this is weird. Cause this is like, like, I guess after years of like a downslope for Travolta from his like mm-hmm. peak, like the seventies, like right. early eighties, um, where, you know, how dare he you know, do stuff like blow out and like ruin, <laughs> ruin his, <laughs> his career. Um, and then of course, pre Pulp Fiction, which Pulp Fiction, I think Tarantino's right. on the record of like, why are you doing these talking baby movies? Like, yeah, man, you were cool. You were like a sex God at one point. What is it? What has happened to you? Um, but it's still, it's still there. Like him playing, him just playing like a normal guy. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, that is, that is a movie star on screen. It's like, he is so fucking charming. Like he's yeah. just so likable just playing the baby. Even when he's saying stupid things or, you know, not the, it's interesting because the script does not make him out to be smooth or sexy Mm-mm, or like on no. top of things at all. But because he's Travolta and he still has, at that point, still has this incredible head of hair. Like he just like, he looks like a movie star. A and fan. no matter what not he says, the, you're the, like the pieces that he's got. No now. plugs. Don't, you don't like, no, you don't no, like the bald look not. for Travolta. That's his like, uh, that's the, uh, the villain. The bad look. guy look. Yeah. I don't yeah, like that either. For sure. like, I actually wish, yeah. <laughs> I wish he was a bald, good guy. What about that? Why, why does he have to right? be evil yeah. just because he lost his hair? <laughs> 
I mean, I'm shocked to hear you say that because you automatically don't trust men with no hair. So I think well, here's <laughs> that a thing. would be a stretch for you. So there's a guy I work with, and I've told him this before. So if he ever stumbles across this podcast, which he won't, um, <laughs> who shaves his head and has since like his teen years, like through his 20s into his like 30s. And, you know, he, he's going for the, uh, I guess you'd call it like the Statham look, like the, the stubble mm. all the way around. Which is fine. It, it doesn't. It doesn't look sure. bad. But I honestly like when I see see a man like that. I'm thinking like, oh, his hair start thinning, and uh, you know he's he's managed to make it work. Like now he's got a new yeah. Defined you look. cut it off at the past. Yeah. Like just like yeah. okay, it's gonna go. I'm gonna control it. And then he <laughs> revealed to the like no, it's like you know he just doesn't like dealing with his hair because it's really thick. And I was just like, oh, poor son of baby. A bitch. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, those are the people I cannot trust. John Travolta. You know, even movie stars lose their hair. I, I think there's like a, a a great sequel to Phenomenon with him like regrowing his hair. <laughs> I, if memory serves, he spoiler alert for that mid '90s film. I think he dies, right? I, I don't know. God, I haven't seen that probably since the '90s. My version so, is about yeah, like we'll a bald with, man yes. who wakes up with a full head of hair, and then he can start like levitating cars like Yoda. That's, <laughs> that's the version I want to see. That's where the power lies. Yeah. Yes, I'm down for that. Well, yeah. you said it. You Absolutely. said it with Travolta. Clearly, you, you started this. How did you start the hair talk? Yes. I don't understand. I don't know. It was bound to happen someday. So, you know, and there's a couple moments with Bruce Willis as the voice where it's like, I guess, like mildly amusing, but like, I, I feel like it's stuff that should be should be done in really short bursts, but instead it's the opposite. Like you, in most of the movie is Mikey talking and like, you know, gabbing with his, you know, other baby friends. And then you have like 20 minutes of your leads. And his observations aren't that skewed either based on his age or experience. Like there's slight, right. like, you know, you know, Oh, I like the, like I'm trying to pull at the heartstrings. Like what's a daddy? Like, you know, I want a daddy. Like I want James to be my daddy, that sort of thing. But for the most Jesus. part, the the observations from, you know, a child, like, it's this weird mixture of, like, you, you mentioned that he runs into the friend, which has a very adult sensibility. Like, it's like a Seinfeld yeah. moment, like the annoying over-talker. And then, <laughs> so I'm, I kept wondering, I'm like, you know, are you trying to make this, like, it's an adult through, like, baby's eyes or not? Like, it, it, it didn't feel like they could really resolve which way they wanted to go with that and so I'm, I'm guessing there was probably just a ton of stuff they like tried but the other thing is now you would probably just get like a legitimate comedian if you just want someone to come in a riff and use the best material uh it's probably not bruce willis bruce willis is an odd i mean he's definitely a, a name at this point like a superstar but it's a weird <laughs> oh bruce willis is gonna be the talking baby like okay i guess we'll <laughs> yeah yeah, and, and that's the thing. I think this whole movie feels like um, something you come up with when you go to an acting class, right? When you have to, like, ad-lib and you have to <laughs> just go, horrifying. go, go. And I mean, that's what it is. That's I, essentially I what it is. I um, do yes and with whoever decides and, I'm a talking baby. Right, you know? and that's – it's yes and the movie. That's <laughs> what this is. So there's a baby and it can talk and uh, it likes boobs and it has friends that talk I, to him too much and like, – I am definitely uh, Michael Scott from The Office, where I pull out a, a gun <laughs> and I shoot the baby. And stop. <laughs> and I think, but I think that's the problem with it. I think as an idea, there's some interesting stuff here, and I think maybe if Heckerling kind of really realized what she had in these two leads, I think 
there's a really interesting movie to be made here. But I think this can be this can be the problem when directors are going to like either write or direct movies that are like, oh, this is inspired by my life. This, these are the things I've experienced that I think sometimes you get some limitations there. And this movie does feel very limited. Uh, and I think and it does make me wonder, as you mentioned, like what was going on in 1989 that this was just this like uber hit, because if you take this movie out like it never existed and you release it now, like this has to flop. Right. This is a and even worse. This is this is a Netflix movie. Right. Like this is this is a Netflix original. Uh, It's probably better. <laughs> One thing. I mean, I didn't really care for yeah. it at all, but uh, at the very least, the the casting, the production values, I don't know, it doesn't feel like a throwaway. I know I'm reading here that it was a surprise hit, which, I mean, at the money it made, it had to be a surprise. Even the most optimistic of <laughs> yeah. projections, it still had to be like, good Lord, uh, America really needed this. <laughs> the world <laughs> needed this for some reason. Uh, but yeah, it's... It's just a, a simple hook that they, like, like a lot of Netflix stuff, that they don't really do much more with. Like, it's like, oh, that sounds right. interesting, and there's some people I like in it, and then it's, you know, they got the clicks. They got the two-minute view or whatever it is now. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I, I guess so. Uh, but, you know, Netflix would never allow this to go to, to three movies. It would be it would definitely be canceled oh, at no two. No way. <laughs> there's no way. No way. The other thing I kept thinking as I was watching this, because I also just recorded a Patreon episode um, about uh, European Vacation, which you like refused to watch. Which Chevy I Chase. Because you're not a fan of Chevy Chase at all. What an ass. Um, but that one didn't work for me either. And it makes me wonder, like, is this just like a era thing? Is this a comedy thing? Because there's mm. some comedies here and there that will kind of span – the test of time but a lot of them you go back and watch a comedy even from 15 20 years ago and you're like i don't i don't get it what's a good point are you laughing at i think comedy comedy films in particular it seems like they uh you know they they have the sensibilities of even uh rival properties other studios other performers and they're like oh that's what that's what people are liking now and there's this you know the it's the hardest thing i guess the most subjective uh, type or genre of film is comedy where like, I know there's been some podcasts before where it's like, it's boring to say, but it's like, I just didn't laugh. I just didn't find it funny. So like, I'm not, you know, if people enjoy look who's talking, they could say, well, X, Y, and Z. And I'd be like, yeah, okay. But it's like, you know, whatever it is, it didn't, it didn't, <laughs> that didn't work for me though. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean like, uh, like iTunes just did like a comedy sale and it was like in that, uh, uh, like the, the sort of the wedding crashers time period. Like it's like you have the like mid two thousands. And when you look through the list, different actors, different studios, you're like, wow, this was, so these were the gags from this time period. And like, right. yeah, like right. the, the eighties also has a sort of distinct, especially the way they look at like families, uh, how they're, they're trying to get in a little bit of like, I guess, crass humor, but maintaining like acuteness. Right. Um, I, I, I don't know. Like the, the one, the most recent one, uh, I remember being on the True Bromance film podcast for uh, Baywatch, and I was just like, this is just, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to be one that's saying this is offensive. Like, I think the term offensive has come to mean, like, it's usually politically motivated in some way. Like, how dare they? But I was just like, this just feels icky and mean. And, like, you know, it's it's The Rock and Zac Efron on the beach. Shouldn't this just be more fun? Like, why are we, why are we putting 
the corpse and it's uh the corpse's ball sack on Zach Efron's face. Like why, why was there not someone standing off the side of gaffer that's like, ah, I don't want to watch this. Like I know my friends and family, they won't want to watch this either. Like Jesus Christ, just get him on the beach right. and uh, play volleyball and like frolic. That's, that's, that's my you version know, of it. I was, I was thinking about the difference between, you know, comedies in, in especially the early to mid eighties. This is how I, get away with still saying look who's talking isn't funny and mm-hmm. other comedies are mm-hmm. um is that there seems to be a tendency through the 90s 2000s 2010s of wanting crossover stars right people okay. can do drama and mm-hmm. comedy right like you never know like zach efron is actually a perfect example right mm-hmm. um someone who's done some dramatic work but is also like we're all very shocked when someone that good looking is that good at comedy and we're like oh my god this is amazing neighbors so good so funny and it was but in the 80s you had full-fledged comedians doing comedy movies like john candy steve martin these guys were eddie murphy massive massive stars that like this is all they did you know i think maybe the last one to kind of do that was jim carrey before he started you know like i really want an oscar so i want to i want to do these dramatic films and then got mad that he didn't get his oscar and then went back to comedy because like (laughs) if i'm gonna do this i might as well make some money which i kind of respect honestly the worst part about it uh (laughs) connecting jim carrey to eddie murphy that i always have with those comedians is I don't know if it's audiences' perceptions or what, but there's clearly like at a certain age where they retire to family comedies, and I, yeah. I, I I'm yeah. like, well, I never got that. Like, I actually have no problem with you know, I, I love uh, the Truman Show, and uh, I, there's parts of the Majestic I really like. Eternal Sunshine, I think, is a film Twitter classic. You know, uh, I I like his dramatic work. Uh, but you're right. There didn't seem to be a bitterness of like, don't box me into comedy. It's like, dude, comedy's fucking hard. Like, you know, Bruce yeah. Willis doing this baby thing, I'm finding to be incredibly odd. But if you were doing it, it would feel so natural and you would do it so much better, presumably. Um, but I mean, you know, there's, there's lots of things like certainly with the Academy that we could get into as far as the lack of respect for a comedic performance. Um, sure. so I, I don't know, but yeah, you're right. Like that it didn't seem to be as much of a, uh, scarlet letter, I guess, where it's like, oh, you're just a comedian, like doing that. That was, right. it was also a valued genre in the eighties. And even when I mentioned wedding crashers, the mid two thousands, like, let's get our wedding crashers in the, in the pipeline. But now, now it's just Netflix material, Netflix originals for like right. quirky comedies. Yeah, absolutely. I think the kind of the last thing I want to bring up about look who's talking is I think it, kind of wildly misunderstands why people like Bruce Willis. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cause like, this is not his bit. Like, I mean, you have like, you know, the action hero stuff, right? You've got Die Hard, but you've also got stuff like Moonlighting mm-hmm. where it allows him to be charming. Cause he's always been that kind of like, he's a good looking guy, but he's not like model good looking. Mm-hmm. He has got like roguish charm, you know, like, and this like completely gets rid of that. So like, why have Bruce? Will- I get it. Like Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis is older. Like he doesn't like, so him is a baby. That's hilarious. But I'm like, there are better choices. Bruce Willis, uh, aggravated is really humorous. Like even in Die Hard, like him being put yes. out, like he's yes. in over his head. He's a little stressed. He reacts, uh, with humor and excessive violence, which we love in America in particular. Um, yes. and you know, going back to moonlighting that, which is, you know, uh, I think is like on the Mount Rushmore of the will they or won't they sort of trope in, in television. And also, I just found this out, strangely enough, not available for streaming anywhere. I've heard that before. I've never seen it's an episode. Crazy to be. And, uh, it's, oh, it's great. It's, it's Fantastic. strange now to not just have something like that, uh, you know, this has been strangely a Netflix. Hey, you know who owns the rights? No, owns the rights? 
fucking Disney. So if you ever want to see it again, sorry, you never will. Because it will have to be on Disney Plus. I was going to say they own two streaming platforms that are Hulu. So what's what's the problem? Uh, No idea. Just an aside about Netflix, because I was talking about this with my wife. Um, I read an article recently where you know there all these streaming platform platforms are sort of lamenting like who has the rights to the office seinfeld those type of things apparently moonlighting you could throw that out there if you want to disney just for um, me thank you and those <laughs> uh i guess statistically are always the most watched things these long-running sitcoms are the most yeah. watched things on comfort watching for for streaming services and, yet, and you stream- can put them on in the background because you've seen them before like but because there's no syndication rights anymore uh, there's apparently these huge, like, on the back end of these contracts, like with Netflix, if they go past, like, a certain number of seasons, three or four, they're basically going to have to pay out, like, the syndication money. So that's why they cancel everything. But it's this sort of chicken or the egg type thing, this Catch-22, where the stuff that people want to binge the most are these long-running shows, and yet <laughs> Netflix will never create. So future generations, what... What is going to be binge worthy? What are going to what's going to be the new office if everything just goes to a streaming platform? If nothing ever goes to syndication, and will Dave finally win? Will yeah. Moonlighting get its day? <laughs> with a, finally, a four yes. K <laughs> box set from Disney, which is one of the strangest prior requests I can imagine. That might be farther farther down the list. It's like me and one other person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You and uh, you know what you and Webb, my co-host on uh, Trilogy and Theory, he would love. Right. He's a sitcom collector, uh, and he gets very yeah, excited of those things. True. And he wants the physical copies. So, you and him, uh, not me. I, w- I would like to watch Moonlighting, but I think I'll just take uh, Hulu. I'll try it out. Just there. on streaming. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I'll accept that. I can meet you in the middle. We can just do <laughs> streaming. So yeah. So I think I think there's a lot of. There's a lot of missteps in this movie, watching it now in terms of casting, whether it be Bruce Willis as the baby or it be having these two great leads that work really well together and then have them. I think she spends more time with her, you know, her terrible ex in this movie than she does. John Travolta. And you're like, what? Insane. What are we we doing? Use your movie stars. Use this. But it just, there seems to be a lot lacking for me. Did you go back and watch the sequel then? Oh no, no. Okay, if I, I was about to ask. My, my, my rule on that, like, if I'm not going to record on this, I'm just, I'm not listening to Roseanne well, Barr yell at me. I'm not. <laughs> I kind of wish you'd record uh, on that one for Patreon, just so I could ask you: uh, is, or is there more between the the couple, the couple that I want to see, of mm. Ali and Travolta in the sequel? That may be a mystery that I go to my grave never finding out the answer. <laughs> I yeah, I gave my it. Patreon guest a choice between European <laughs> Vacation and Look Who's Talking To, and she went with Chevy Chase. Okay. So, oh. okay, this this is the direction we're going. Mistakes so. are made. Chevy Chase should never win anything. God, I hate that man. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now that we've talked about, uh, you know, the first movie that Amy Heckerling, kind of based on her own life, we move forward in time a fair amount uh at least a decade into i could never be your woman which was uh supposedly released in 2007 even though no one's ever heard of it because it didn't actually get a theatrical release uh so you know what i have tell me i have a copy of this movie on dvd what? how blockbuster just... exclusive baby oh okay all right all so right. when that blockbusters were closing I was there to snap up the goods. Just scooped it up. Had I you guess. seen it? Had you seen it before? Oh, I, I had not seen it before. I mean, we put it on the list, and I was like, I think I own a copy of that. And how long uh, have you had it? Oh fuck, that's <laughs> ten years at least. You know, longer. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of things. Look, 
if it's something like... movies you just have floating around your house that you haven't watched well, in a decade. Well, a, a lot of what I did, because uh, if I can get you know a cheap digital copy, that that's much easier uh, for storage purposes. And, you know, it would certainly be higher quality. I don't know what your version was. Mine was not that great. You know, Blockbuster did not do it up for their, their DVD, uh, I, would, I guess, transfer. But, you know, it's original release straight to video. Uh, but if it has a commentary track, I will always keep it around, even if I do get a, mm. a nicer version. Uh, Kevin Smith movies are actually kind of like that. They're like two different, I think, yeah. two different Chasing Amy uh, commentary tracks, depending on like the Blu-ray or DVD. Uh, and as I've talked about with my co-host on uh, Trilogy and Theory Web, uh, we much prefer, because uh, we're dorks, pre-Stoner uh, Kevin Smith on his commentary tracks, pre-Smodcast. you know Smodcast. I just I just prefer that version of him in general, like <laughs> not even on a podcast. Like I've heard him in interviews like relatively recently, and I'm like, how is this the same person yeah. that <laughs> – I can't say that about uh, Amy Heckerling because as we were recording this, Dave said, hey, we got to get back to the podcast factory. So I did not have a chance, like Fast Times, to go back. Uh, I had fond memories of the Fast Times commentary track. I do believe this one has Paul Rudd. So I'm hoping that it has the same amount of sort of banter that she had with Cameron Crowe. Yeah. Didn't get a chance for that. I did actually watch the movie, Dave. So there's that. So oh, that's one well of uh, you and I are like 20% of the people <laughs> that have. Uh, I wonder what the numbers are. The number be. might seems a little low. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I wonder what the numbers are going to be for this episode, but you, I guess, smartly attached it to one of her hits with Look Who's Talking uh, that people will that's recognize right. even if they've not seen it. No, I had not seen it, and I was um, crestfallen <laughs> when I finally did. Because <laughs> like, I'm, I'm the fucking audience for this, man. I- I'm, you know, that's what I was thinking. I watched it and I was like, "Huh." Eh. I mean, like, it's not offensive. It's not. It was terrible. Me. But I'm like, if anyone's <laughs> going to like this, yeah, it's going to be Mike because he is yeah. the audience. So, so it's an uh, an older woman's perspective on dating, uh, getting a young young stud in there. I'm all for this. I like that. I mean, I don't know if Paul Rudd yeah. fits. It's certainly not Brad Pitt and Thelma and Louise as far as the pick me up. It's a it's a different type, yeah. right? But I like Paul Rudd. There were a couple moments where I thought, like, ooh, Mike is not going to like this guy. He's because he's like he's a lot. He's like a theater kid, is what it is. He's a theater kid that has found some some degree of success, I guess, with his uh, improvisational comedy. He's getting guest parts on. I can't really get a read on this. I mean, some of the uh, you know the sort of satirical elements of this are like a lot of satire. It's very heavy-handed so it's like you have people well above the age i think even hollywood would have characters playing like for like a <laughs> yes. nickelodeon like sitcom like you know stacy dash this month i think this is this like even post fox news stacy dash or is, or is this the death knell is, was this movie this had to be right <laughs> around the same time because it was this like 2007 i don't know when it was filmed yeah, i don't know how long it sat on the shelf any of that that's true um I like to think that the the uh, this going straight to blockbuster. Stacy Dash is like, I gotta find another gig. I gotta be a horrible person now. Like, <laughs> I gotta be a racist. Yeah. To that. <laughs> gotta make some money. That's where the money is. Um, unfortunate because you know a, a film that we are gonna be talking about later in the month, like uh, Clueless. I'm a big fan of her and and Amy Heckerling. I like Amy Heckerling having this, you know, these mm-hmm. cast of characters with Paul Rudd coming back, seeing the same people. Uh, even get and apparently, apparently, this is kind of loosely based on her experience of being a producer on the short-lived Clueless television show. Okay, so it makes sense that she'd bring back yeah. these people who were involved in and it. And we'll see later. She gets, uh, you know, she gets Cher to come back for another film, and uh, even what Mrs. or, or Miss Geist 
uh, and look who's talking. So I like all that. It's like she's playing with her friends. What I don't like. Very Kevin Smith, which you've talked about before. Very Kevin Smith. Um, I don't know where I would put, I could never be your woman. I don't think it's quite tusk level off the rails, but I have to admit I was not a fan of mother nature. Oh God. Being the, the worst part of this movie. Jesus. Um, and you, and I, you know it from the first yep, sequence. It's just not that working. is the opening of the movie. And I remember, like, I put this on and, like, I winced during that first scene. And I was like, this is not a good start. I feel like, honestly, if you remove all the Mother Nature thing, it's a totally harmless, fine. <sighs> yeah, that's rom-com. a big part of it because that's. It is. And look, it's going for, like, this. I don't know if you'd say Woody Allen. The one I kept coming back to because at this point in her career, like, being released on video in 2007 um, on 99 from 99, another podcast I do, we talked about The Muse uh, with Albert Brooks. And it felt very oh, yeah. Albert Brooks to me. Like, so even his earlier stuff had this sort of like these broad concepts or gags put in there. So like defending your life for, for one. Um, and The Muse, Sharon Stone plays the, the title character who can inspire these Hollywood screenwriters to create hits. Uh, going back to Kevin Smith, uh, he did it better with Sama Hayek as a stripper. Muse, just I got mm-hmm. it. <laughs> 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 but that that gag, if it doesn't work, and you've like hinged, well, you've hitched actually your whole comedy. It's your to whole it. framing device of the movie. I mean, it's... I can't fault like Albert Brooks and the Muse because I'm like, well, that's Sharon Stone is the the lead or co lead in that. But I can almost, it's like I can fault Heckerling more because I'm like you. I'm like, I think you could have cut around Tracy Mm -hmm. Ullman as Mother Nature and just had, I don't know if they could have reshot because obviously this had a troubled, you know, uh, release. So maybe they were putting no more money into this. But, you know, this could have been Michelle Pfeiffer's voiceover instead of like Mother Mm -hmm. Nature commenting. Any aside. Already a hundred times better. Any aside she has talking to this strangely distracting and glowing Tracy Ullman just to remind you that she's not actually there, which I'm like, I don't know what <laughs> someone was discovering uh, a program on their MacBook. It's like, Oh cool. Look what we can do with Tracy right. Ullman. But it feels so low rent. The first eye movie. <laughs> it just, the whole thing feels like to me, like, wow, we have really, we are far afield, not only from clueless, but we're far afield from like loser as far as even production value. And I, it just made me incredibly sad. Second note, thing I absolutely despised and hated. Because there, there are some things I like. Um, not a lot, but there's some things I like. <laughs> so what's the, the second, second thing, thing you The very first hated. note I put down. I'd already excused Tracy Ullman and Mother Nature. I just sort of rolled my eyes. That's how you know Mike's mad when he starts taking notes. That is actually true. I, I'm never taking notes when I'm, like, enthralled with something. Because why would I pick good. up my phone? I'm like, no. Uh, John Lovitz could never, all caps, never oh, be Michelle no Pfeiffer's way. man. Fucking never. That's my note. It it was so appalling to me that I I, <laughs> I, I felt like, and maybe maybe that's the point. I felt like a woman watching this. Like I felt like, is this what women have to accept? Like from the from the male <laughs> form. Like you have Michelle Pfeiffer somehow ended up with John. Like we we know John Lovitz. He's looked the same for decades. This is. <laughs> Yeah, this is not like, like his like, entire career. He got a little bit of a punch, you know. He was, you know, he was a he was an athlete, and he had some knee surgeries. No, this is it's always been fucking John Lovitz and that that face, that face from the opening sequence of Happiness when he's just been dumped. Ooh, is, is Mike. John 
And I just, it made me so incredibly defensive and angry at the movie yep. from the jump with those two things yep. that it was hard to get me back. And Paul Rudd yep. with his version of manic pixie dream boy at mm-hmm. times was cute. A lot of times it was annoying and like, it's just got like, like sort of try hard element that actually kind of permeates the whole film. It feels like Amy Heckerling mm-hmm. is trying too hard for gags when really probably just her own life experiences, like her just talking about them on a commentary track. She's hilarious. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that was the uh, interference where they just need uh, like to, to to amp things up. But yeah, Tracy Ullman, and uh, I, I would say John Lovitz. John Lovitz isn't doing anything wrong other than he looks like himself. That's it. He's, he just he's looks fine. like John. Lovitz. I actually, like the relationship. And Michelle Pfeiffer looks like Michelle Pfeiffer. Like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yes, like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the okay. So the Mother Nature thing is terrible. It's like a horribly unfunny kids in the hall gag. Uh, it does not work. In any sequence. At least kids in the hall, it would be kind of creepier or something. Right, would, right. There would, be an ad, yeah. there would be an element of, of threat to it. There was something yep. going on. Yeah. Nothing here. And also it like, I don't know, like the, the whole message of the movie like irked me at the end too. Because the whole movie is her fighting against this idea of Mother Nature saying like, make way for the young. But then it's like, ah, oh, but it's okay if it's your kid. Look what you've made room for. And I was like, that was another that's a weird, another that's a note. Weird I note. I didn't like little ladybird here at all. I actually didn't like that. Her whole creative output is being incredibly mean spirited to like Britney Spears or pop stars, like basically <laughs> slut shaming them. They're selling their bodies. They're talentless hacks. I'm like, Whoa, what? You know, and she's doing her weird Al impression. Like, you know, I mean, it's like women support women here. What what are, what is going on? Like, I direct your energies elsewhere. I, I like I said, I don't know what the, how long. Well, this was all the villains of this movie are women, right? Mother Nature is kind of a villain. Her secretary is a assistant. villain. Yep. Like, yeah, I mean, it's Stacy Dash yeah. is you know she's hard to work with. She's difficult. Yep. Yep. And okay, so the John Lovitz thing. <laughs> okay, exact same reaction. As soon as he showed up, I was like, have you looked at Michelle Pfeiffer? There's no way. I mean, I know there's like a trope in like sitcoms of like the dumpy guy and the good looking woman. But this is this is too far. This is a bridge too far. I cannot yes. I cannot yes. get past John Lovitz being here. And also to me, it shows a kind of ridiculous lack of faith in Paul Rudd in his like desirability like do you need to put him against john lovitz for us to be like oh i get it now mm-hmm. okay i understand like come on paul rudd is a good-looking guy perpetually young like he's you know even like in the days of clueless like people were into paul rudd like you don't need to protect him like this and it it feels like as you mentioned her just going for the gag as opposed to actually accessing something real which seems ridiculous because this is supposedly inspired by her real life like if i was her ex-husband and i watched this movie i would be wildly offended <laughs> like john lovitz really that's <laughs> that's my that's okay, my I, hollywood I don't, I don't doppelganger so john lovitz you know, get in get in a, a, a last dig you know if you that, that's fine with me <laughs> but we certainly we are far from uh alec baldwin uh and you know, Nancy Myers, you're getting Alec Baldwin in what was that, 2010 kind of era? Mm-hmm. You're getting him in 30 Rock fighting shape, which means he's he's heavier, right? And they comment yeah. on that. But, but still a good looking we guy. We know what like, Alec Baldwin also looked like before, so you can progress it outwards. And like, we also know what John Lovitz looked like, which is the same. 
<laughs> trying trying not to be mean, but it's just like it's just it's just putting your actor in a bad situation. Yeah. Um, because actually his character and his relationship with his ex-wife, I can see why they're not together anymore. But I also like that this, you know, whatever sort of co-parenting model they have, that seems to be working as far as hey, he doesn't come in and Healthy. see Paul Rudd and get jealous. He actually says, hey, I like this guy. Like, you shouldn't let this go. Yeah. Like, why would you? How dare you break up with him? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I like some of that. It's just John Lovitz is, you know, like yeah. a Paul Rudd type is the ex-husband, I guess, aged up. Would make more mm-hmm. sense. We're like, okay, yeah, I could see the the two of them, you know, working together and having a child For that sure. hates women. Sure, what? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? There's also like, I, you know, of course, like it's a comedy, so there's there's a certain amount of just you know believability you have to throw out the window. But there's certain leaps of logic in this movie where I'm like, really. Like the fact that not only is her assistant horribly evil, but apparently does such a good job of Photoshop that, and also like uh, acquiring DMV paperwork that, that it fools our lead character where she could have probably looked to, at this thing for end? more than 10 what, seconds. What is this person doing? Like they, like I asked about this, me and my wife, wife watched this together and I'm like, she comes in and doesn't get, like she gets her part cut. So Michelle Pfeiffer is actually trying to help her assistant get into, right. you know, SAG or whatever, trying to get her acting gigs. And she's like, oh, yeah, whatever's best for the show. And doesn't, and actually, like, I assume later on we're meant to, to think, like, oh, she didn't actually mean that. But she, she never brings it up again. She never brings up as this woman, like, screwed me. So now I'm going to get back at her. Instead, it just seems like that's her personality the whole time. It seems like she just can't help but be a destructive force to someone that has given her a pretty cushy job and she's on the cusp of maybe achieving her dream. But she just wants to fuck with her boss's love life. Like, what like this would one of the few people who's willing to try to help her and she's just this would like, make more sense if it was coming from stacy dash if stacy dash's character was the uh the conflict as someone who thinks that her uh acting career is about to be usurped by this young idiot who is a ham and is stealing all of the laughs and stealing all the spotlight if they had just kind of focus on that um I, i'm guessing it's because they with paul rudd's character there would be no conflict um, that we could ever agree with Michelle Pfeiffer, other than maybe her just deciding you were kind of a goofball. Uh, maybe it would make her too unlikable to just, to just want to break up with Paul Rudd because he's just too much to handle. That he's always I would have understood. I that. would have too. Like, like one of the things in this movie that it is very early in the movie that I was already like, okay, I don't know if I buy this. Like, he pulls this like pratfall where he like pulls himself off off screen essentially and she is so enamored with this like how did he do that like she's never seen a sitcom (laughs) in her entire life and she's executive producing a sitcom and i was like this is all it takes like i mean i guess if you're married to john lovitz for that long really anyone showing any amount of charm or interest is going to be interesting to you but i was just like i don't know if i buy this already and also it's hard to buy you know, I understand that Heckerling is putting forth this idea of like Hollywood is horribly unfair to women as they age, which is obviously true. But if you're going to do that, do you want to do you want to cast somebody as like just incredibly good looking as Michelle Pfeiffer? Like, is that a, is that a good option? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a common thing, right, where everyone you're seeing on screen and primarily lead parts are far more attractive than like your average person. It's unfortunate though, that when you go as extreme as John Lovitz, the ex-husband, it's like, okay, you could, you could find some, 
funny faces to put in here, but like it's, I don't know. It's like a part that uh, Tony Collette I think could play really well, and oh, I'm, perfect. I, I think Tony Collette yes. is uh, is an attractive lady, but obviously she yes. has that like character actor kind of background where she can look dramatically different uh, depending on what the part is and carry herself in a different way. Michelle Pfeiffer. I mean, think about her in About a Boy. You know, versus something like Velvet Goldmine. Like yeah, she yeah, yeah, exactly. Everything. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, and it's no fault of her own. She's a, a genuine movie star, and we've known her as Michelle Pfeiffer since what the early '80s uh, for decades. So right. you know, you've got fucking Catwoman on screen, yeah. and it's 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 just too hard. I think of a sell, and I don't dislike anything Michelle Pfeiffer's doing, but. No, it's just not a good. In it's it, just but... not a great fit for the the concept and for the the messaging, I guess. And that, now, I, I mean, I just pulled Tony Collette out of my ass uh, as I often often do. And now I'm imagining that Who movie, doesn't? and I'm like, wow, that's a lot better. I like that. Like, yeah. it's just it just would uh, it would just be more inherently interesting to me uh, to to have those yeah. characters on screen. I mean, if you wanna if you wanna take a look at you know how, how Hollywood treats women as they age, regardless of how they look, there's a movie to be made there, and you can cast Michelle Pfeiffer. But for us to be like, oh, it's all about looks, and it's because I don't look like I used to, that's not <laughs> that's not really the best choice. And like back to the John Lovitz thing, like the man is like actually not he's in the movie, but he's not in it that much. And there's nothing he does here that's like inherently only John Lovitz could do this, right? You could cast almost any serviceable well, comedic actor. It's probably and be okay every there. casting choice in this, though, where it's like no one, yeah. not a big stretch. Yeah, for any uh, of these and actors. I just checked, and so I, I mean, no offense to, to Tony Collette, she would have been 33 when this was filmed, so she would not have fit, you know, what they were going for. Uh, but us watching it in 2020, certainly, you know, we could, you know, it's. Something my co-host on uh, 99 for 99 brings up uh, a lot is he laments that they don't remake uh, Near Misses, like where it's like that was a good idea, but for whatever reason, and this right. had you know troubled uh, release, got dumped on video stores where I was there to pick it, pick them up at a deep discount when Blockbuster presumably had a hundred copies of this <laughs> on a wall in Kentucky, and I'm like, I'll take one for a dollar, and like for getting rid of those. <laughs> Because uh, I might need this in ten years' time to discuss and this you were movie right. at length. Uh, but this is one that comes like when he says that. I'm like, yeah, I guess. And then I watch something like this. I'm like, okay, there's so much about this that, in theory, I would love. Like you even said, like, oh, this is Mike's type of movie. Like we have scheduled something mm-hmm. that Mike. If Mike doesn't like it, something has no gone wrong. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I own a fucking copy of it. And yeah, this is one that's like remake this. Like, it, it, I mean, obviously we have. We probably haven't had that many movies that look at women of a certain age, which is, you know, a problem in itself. But mm-hmm. it could just remake this and just update it. And I think, unfortunately, the messaging still applies. But God, just give it a new title. The title's also fucking terrible, especially because it's like based on a song that's in the movie. Like, it's just, it's not great. And uh, it's like, a question for I you. don't know. <laughs> like, and what, and you take out the music part of it. Like, is this a good title for this movie? Absolutely not. It's almost like they're trying to, like, capitalize on the success of a song, which that success, at at best, will last, like, what, six months? So you got to hit it right at the right time. Like, and, and with this troubled production, clearly that when was When did that song happen. come out? What is, I mean, I don't even... Uh... Uh, the name of the band is White Town, I think. Uh... It says 97 is what I'm I'm getting. January 97. So what? 
like what what are we capitalizing on here like i don't i don't understand i did have that thought i mean it was uh, a huge hit but not enough like i is there a song good enough or big enough that you would be like yeah i know that title i'm gonna I'm gonna go well, watch that. I, if it's not by the replacements, not then, for me. Uh, but the Mike's not interested. The one that came to mind, which uh, I have Brittany Murphy on the the brain, uh, which was you know a, a little peek behind the curtain. We'll get into it when we get to Clueless. That was my first uh, like celebrity like crush person. I was like, I like Brittany hmm. Murphy, and uh, you know I like the role she plays, and she's got a lot of talent. And boy, isn't she uh, moderately attractive. I'm sure that's what I said when I was a teenager. <laughs> yes, she's decently attractive, yes. <laughs> but a roommate of mine used to make fun of that, uh, you know, knowing that about me. And there was a movie called Uptown Girls, I think with little, was it little Dakota Fanning at the time? That sounds right. Like 2003, yeah. mm-hmm. I think, is the time period. And he would see this and be like, you can go see that movie, Mike? It's got your girl in it. I'm like, no, I'm not going to see it. It looks stupid. He's like, wouldn't this be a lot better if they were just playing the Billy Joel song like throughout the whole commercial? Like, <laughs> And I'm like, no, that's – God, that's so stupid. That's so on the nose. He's like, just lean into it. You know, you just got – he's like, I think they should just go for it. That's the one. So when you bring that up, that's the movie I always think of. That's like, you know what? I never watched that even though I'm a big Brittany Murphy fan apparently in certain regards. But would I have watched it if they had just – plastered the marketing campaign with billy joel's <laughs> maybe Girls. her lip syncing to it <laughs> dancing through the big city That's... i mean i like it when jennifer garner does love is a battlefield for 13 going on 30 it's but they also didn't name the fucking movie love is a battlefield which probably means it would play quite a bit differently not as good of a God, hook that would be as a 13 going on title 30. no no absolutely not yeah, you're right. I mean, I think this is like if you look at this movie on paper, not only just for you because you're like a rom-com fan and this really fits into your wheelhouse, but like even for me, like when I I like looked it up on IMDb and saw the like synopsis and I was like this could be good. Like this might be one of those like hidden gems that no one's ever seen because it had a troubled production and no one puts faith in female filmmakers and and then I watched it and I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> Damn it. I bet you, now I'm in a really awkward position. I bet you're glad we've got Clueless coming up on the schedule. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Yeah, it's uh it's a rough one. Um and and but but you're right. It was worth and watching so though. Honestly, it's uh, to go yes, back to the near yes. miss thing. I'm glad I actually got around to it. Uh shout out to Hiro cuz he, he's accused us of listening to us and being enthusiastic about films and then he watches them and he's like well i wasn't enthusiastic which <laughs> i think you know it doesn't need to be stated but i will for him uh we are not you sir thankfully neither yes. one of us <laughs> it's not a to- not everything's a tony scott movie so um, yeah don't bring that up he's very very angry and he's gonna be angry with me that i chose amy heckerling uh not tony scott i just couldn't handle more explosions after that's Michael fair Bay. we need a couple months um, off from that yeah but like yeah like watching it I always hate when people come out and they're like that was a total waste of time. Uh, you know that there's nothing of value here because there there can be big swings and misses like the Mother Nature thing. And I know I know I'm like okay this is probably not going to be good. But it's like you know I can I can see enough there that I like watching it. And, I, and to get back to your point of the whole show, I like watching it within the context of an Amy Heckerling month or two months here mm-hmm. and how it fits into the rest of her filmography to, to have that almost forgotten film. Am I going to double back for the commentary? Maybe another mm. 10 years. Maybe, yeah. I don't know yeah. if I'll ever rewatch it, but if I do, it'll be with You'll commentary. You'll get your 50 cents worth. Yeah. So you have yeah. two watches. Yeah. 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 This is a movie that honestly, if you cut out mother nature 
and you cut out the silly songs that her daughter sings, you probably have, you know, 45 minutes to an hour of material, but it's solid. There's a lot there that's good. So it's kind of a shame that it like just kind of falls on its face because of, because of some of those choices. I wish, I wish that this could be, even by Heckerling, if this could be made again with the budget and with some more thought behind it. Like, I'll look, I'll say if, what I know you're thinking and you don't want to say for your audience, but conservative Dave. Really wants a version where a half hour material is given to Stacy Dash as the villain. Ooh, the villain. No. The villain. No. You don't no. like Stacy Dash Maybe even here. I think she's twelve to fifteen minutes. Like that's, that's half hour? my math. I still think she's pretty good here. Like I it, there's is. an alternate timeline where she doesn't lose her fucking mind. And uh I, I think yeah. she's a she's a good comedic performer. Actually she, she still is, is on, on Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The rueful laugh, yes. That's um, but now that you mention it in this movie in particular, like every time she's on screen, like it's like, okay, there's something here and there could be more if you stretched it out a little bit and like focused on her a little bit more and maybe her relationship with essentially the Amy Heckerling character. But instead, like, I think they only have like two scenes together that are longer well, than 10 seconds. She would, she's just there to be a problem. She would speak more to, um, an actress who's had some success using her body and now is going to reach that age where she's maybe she's still physically desirable, but uh, people move on to the next thing. Like what well, well, we've seen, mm-hmm. what you have, and you know, I, I don't know. Maybe in the, <laughs> the remake version that we're asking for, she goes on to be a conservative blowhard because that's, that's what the thing is. So what you want is a version of this movie with Stacey Dash as the lead. That's that's what you're as as a as a tragedy. <laughs> Uh, I don't know whose tragedy. I guess mine, but you know, I just really <laughs> like Clueless. What can I say? I, I wanted to see good things happen to those those three girls from Clueless, and I wanted uh, death and mm. despair for Amber because I'm a good Clueless fan. Yikes! Yikes! All right. Well, we will be covering Clueless later oh, God. Uh, in our series in on between? Amy Heckerling. But next, um, you have a movie that you referenced as like, you know, high production value in comparison to this. We're going to cover Loser, uh, and a movie not by Amy Heckerling, yes. but that was, um, that was apparently a, you know, something that she took a look at when she was making Loser, uh, which is Angels with Dirty Faces, which is like a classic gangster movie that I've never actually seen. So this is this is all Mike uh this is all Mike's programming. So I if like you don't it. like it, mm-hmm. blame him. Although <laughs> I was already dismissive of us not just skipping ahead to Clueless. But uh you'll have to wait uh mere weeks, dear listener, for my continued defense of Stacy Dash when she was young and Can we just defend Brittany Murphy instead? I'm gonna defend like, all of them. Is... Every last okay. one of them. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, so something to look forward to in a couple episodes for that. Uh, so until then, you can follow us on Twitter um, at Directed by Pod, and we're still kind of working out uh, what rewards we're going to give to our Patreon members. But you can find us at Patreon.com/slash A Podcast Directed by. <laughs>